Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, with Dr. Michael David Clay, yours truly. It is one thing to be told that you could be, and another thing to be allowed to become. What do I mean by that? There's a lot of folks that would like to tell you things like, well, you can be whatever you want, and it's up to you, and you can make the world a better place, and you can find your place in the world, and you can achieve these great things, and we want you to achieve these great things, and we want you to be better. Um, But when it comes right down to it, all of a sudden you begin to realize those same folks that said all those things are often the same individuals or the individuals who at the same time are going behind your back or at some point in the not too distant future when you start to really become, they don't like it. They kind of want to hold you back. Uh, I think that anytime there is a bit of profiteering, Anytime there's a bit of money to be made, commerce to be had, transactions to be completed, there's always going to be some element of dishonesty if that would come to then the idea that somehow by your accomplishing something or getting something done, you're going to put somebody out of a job. And what would that job be? I suppose it all depends at its very rudimentary or base level. Transactions should be easily defined. If I do this for you, you're going to do this for me, and then that should be the end of it. But of course, we know that in that sort of a system, even eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, uh, you could coexist and live together and sort of exchange goods. And that's sort of the natural way of things, right? <laughs> Energy's neither created or destroyed. It just changes shape or form. And you could define the reciprocity principle. Could define, well, this is the exchange rate. And yeah, there's some variable there or variance there and worth and value, but depending on how much you need it and how much somebody else wants it, all of that capitalistic sort of thought. Um, In the end, though, if it were just that, it still might be godly. Uh, I don't know that that is necessarily the ideal when it comes to the kingdom of God, particularly the part about the capitalism. I don't want to suggest that religion and politics, capitalism, or commerce, mammon, is necessarily of same or similar order to God. But most people could probably live with, you do this and I'll do that. And, you know, there's some basic sort of inalienable rights that we all have and equality and all those higher ordered, at least in human dimension, sort of thoughts and intentions and ideals. And if we can make a society as as fair as it can be, and then we can all kind of see the benefit or the gain from it in a fair distribution sort of way, why would we not do that? And why would that then not be also somewhat of godly order? 
but it never works that way because that's really not what it's about. <laughs> what unfortunately it's about is somebody always being a bit more inclined to want a bit more and with that then if you should restructure that, sort of redistribute that in a way that they seem to lose power and control, you're in trouble. Because that really is mammon. Mammon is material exchange. It is money. But I don't know that even Jesus had problems with money. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Money moves things in this context of material existence. Uh, Resource. It's okay. But only as long as it's sanctified by the highest order, godly order, that there's none greater than Jesus, that there's none greater than God, and God is not, in that same way, a respecter of persons. Anytime you presume you can be God, anytime you presume that you should be the purveyor of right and wrong, you should then find yourself always in a position of controlling where the resources go, how they're distributed. You're sort of then getting into that true blasphemy, the Holy Spirit territory. And what would that be? That you're trying to be God. And nobody should be God except God. Nobody should be Jesus except Jesus. Nobody should then speak unto the Holy Spirit other than through both God and Jesus. They're all three the same, and we are not part of that, except that we would be in Christ Jesus, and then we know nobody's going to lord over anybody except Jesus. And therein, the Holy Spirit would be turned toward what I do believe is God's intention for all of us, inhuman sort of, I guess, manifestation or material sort of presentation, he'd want us to not lord over each other, not to control each other, not to dominate each other. Nobody should be put under anyone's foot. Nobody should be lied to, stolen from, cheated. Nobody, including (laughs) those that come in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4. Verse 1, and as they spoke unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody unto the next day, for it was now eventide. But many of them who heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Now, what's wrong with resurrection? And I'm going to go back to verse 2. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Clearly, there shouldn't be. There's nothing, obviously, There shouldn't be anything wrong with resurrection. 
Again, <laughs> matters need to created nor destroyed to change its shape or form. That's a principle of science, which has nothing to do with necessarily religion. Or in this particular context, the word of God. But science should validate the word of God. It should be empirically provable, right? And reprovable. And there's no better premise than it's neither created or destroyed. It just changes shape or form. It's just the way of the material existence. Transfiguration and transformation is a natural occurrence, it just happens every day. As something comes, something else has to go. And out of that something else going, there is a place for something else to come. There's a certain, again, a degree of reciprocity. If you believe in entropy or the idea of somewhat of a closed system and that there's only a limited amount of resource, in order for all of us to <laughs> naturally organically coexist only in only the most empirical or scientific highest order hypothetical reasoned terms that's how it works we don't control the energy we don't even control necessarily so much the distribution because no matter if we think we do, in the end, it's going to go where it's supposed to go and how it's supposed to go and what manifestations it takes or is taken, takes on, assumes, or what manifestation is presented. It's really not ours. We might think it is, we might try to make it something that is ours to control or of ours in control, but you can't do that. Otherwise, what you're doing is living in a fantasy world, and sooner than later, (laughs) sooner or later, or sooner than later, it's going to present itself as it's supposed to. And what is the supposed to about as the natural of order of movement and flow would make it within those scientific terms, that's what's going to happen. It's just the way it happens. Someone is born, they live their life, they die, and then something else comes out of that. Maybe it's another human. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Maybe there's a resurrected body in the sense of something different than humanity. I don't know. It may or may not be important. But resurrection is a principle that is undeniable. Why were these individuals, and may I call once more your attention to whom they might be, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, Why would they be grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead? It's foolishness. You could say it's foolishness simply from a God standpoint, a word of God standpoint, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit as would then be breathing life into inanimate material or matter as God created Adam from the elements of earth. It's not wrong from that standpoint 
But even if you exclude, never wrong from that standpoint, but even if you exclude the religious, if you exclude the godly interpretation, it's a lie to say there's no resurrection. But the Sadducees did not believe in that. And with that, Paul was able to escape some degree of persecution because he stirred up a bunch of stuff, it, stirred that up uh, as the central sort of argument when they were all getting together trying to destroy him. (laughs) They were arguing over Pharisees believing there is, Sadducees believing there isn't. But I don't know that the Pharisees really wanted to believe so much in a resurrection or not. As much as they too were probably marginally so and still possibly are to this very day. A bit, I guess, disbelieving. Maybe not entirely of the possibility, but they've not seen it yet according to them. But we see it every day. Every time a child is born and there's an element of resurrection, every time that Jesus appears through the actions of a human, it's a resurrection, a testimony to the resurrected Christ. At this particular point in the book of Acts, the disciples had seen literally the resurrected Christ in material manifestation with a resurrected body. I think that's what this passage is speaking to that they were telling people Jesus comes back in a resurrected body we've seen him but even as with the healings in the Bible and Jesus's particular ministry of healing and resurrecting even those that were dead in that literal material sort of way I think all of that was so that then the greater resurrection power matter is neither created nor destroyed it just changes shape or form energy in matter is neither a creation or destruction just a change in shape or form of the energy the energy is what is important and is eternal the manifestation of that is not the holy spirit is what is important and eternal the manifestation of that is secondary i won't say it's not important but it's not as important it should be important as the word would be distributed to us who are humans for us who only in our limited capacity as a human could comprehend that when defined in human terms that we might understand we need to be told what that's all about because we don't really understand what is beyond our humanity until that day that we're no longer bound by our humanity either in conception conceptualization or even limited to our human experience. There's so much more of God. How do you put definition on the Holy Spirit? Even so, if you removed that as with word, that as with religious context or word of God context, if you removed all of those things that we know of it best from the word of God as he has shared that wisdom with us and just left it to science... It's hard to define energy because it's beyond our ability to touch it, taste it, feel it. But we don't dismiss the existence of it. Why would we dismiss the resurrection power of God as manifest in Jesus Christ as with 
and direction and order of the Holy Spirit. It's foolishness. Why were they grieved? I think they were grieved because it wasn't about resurrection. Or if it was, it was about denying it so that they wouldn't get better. So they would not move any further from where they were. So that they could retain the order that had been, I guess, inherited. And you could argue, well, God established the order, particularly for these folks that I referenced earlier. The Sadducees, the captain of the temple, the priests... Uh, they weren't politically in power at the time, but they weren't about to give up their station, their position, and neither are politicians, and neither are corporate presidents, and neither are religious leaders of whatever persuasion if their intention would be to have dominion and control over the resource because they really don't believe in this simple premise, whether you look at it scientifically or as you would look at it within context of God's word. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes shape and form. The matter changes the material manifestation, but the energy doesn't. The Holy Spirit manifests himself in different dimension in different ways. We would know it through human expression for the sake of our comprehending it. Again, our comprehending it. But it's not bound. He's not bound to that. But that's the best way God could communicate that to us. That's sort of like coming to see a Christian counselor. And the Christian counselor would tell you all these great things you could become. All the things that otherwise is available to you in Christ. Believe upon the word of God. You can be liberated from your prison. You can be set free from all of the constraints. You can find resurrection even while you're still in the material manifestation. Particulars that you've been given. Don't make your worth and value your relationship with God predicate upon transactional reciprocity even dimensions alone, though that's not evil. (laughs) Make it based on the fact that you're more than the body. Your spirit, you're part of God in Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. You are one with Christ in the Holy Spirit. You are one in God in Holy Spirit terms. Operate from that perspective first so that you then would not be caught up in this power play. It's not about whether you eat or don't eat shouldn't be about that. It is, unfortunately. should never be about that. But it's about who controls it. Even if it should mean that you're going to starve to death. Even if it should mean they're going to lie to you. Even if it should mean they're going to tell you all these great things. But so does the devil. He takes the word of God and he corrupts it. He takes, he would, in context of our conversation today on the podcast, he would take all these principles of science and corrupt them 
and lie not completely, although any more these days as the saying goes, you can get away with saying a lot of stuff and a lot of people will believe it no matter how absurd and not provable fantasy it might be. Cunningly devised fables. We just seem like we're willing to believe anything. But whether there is a star chamber in human, whether there is then all of this building toward the ultimate, as with the book of Revelation, Antichrist dimension and proportion, the synagogue of Satan, as Jesus would call it, Bible would say Jesus called it, it's nefarious in this sense. It's evil in this sense. It all goes back to the devil lying to you and corrupting the word of God because he'll tell you just enough to get you to do what he wants, but he's not going to follow through on that promise. It's like when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. If you just do these things, I'll give you dominion. No, you don't even have dominion over the world. It's just an out and out lie. It's a fantasy. But they know it's a lie. Why would you believe them? Especially when it's so obvious there's no truth to it. I believe the gig was up. For the Sadducees, the gig was up for the captain of the temple. The gig was up for the priests. The gig is up for the politicians. The gig is up for the political leaders, religious leaders, world leaders, world order. If it ever should get out, this revelation, it's all a lie. How do we know? Because that's not the way the world works. Even in simple material dimensions, scientific terms, it does not work that way. You have as much access to all the power that is, that brings life to existence as anybody else does. And should they then try to deny you that power, it would only be because you would concede your rightful inheritance to it and give it to them. <laughs> what Give what to them? That control. It's a lie. It's a fabrication. Jesus just proved it. The word of God just shows you. The disciples who were otherwise those that all this grievous sort of sentiment was being directed toward in the book of Acts chapter 4. The Sanhedrin. They were living, breathing testimonies of the fact that you don't have to be beholding to a religious political leader. You do not have to be religious or political, and sometimes they're combined. You do not have to go through any sort of office or officer. You do not have to count on somebody else telling you what God wants you to do. You can have direct access to not only the Holy Spirit, the energy that brings forth life, you know the principle of life. 
Now, you still may have to be part of the exchange. Nobody escapes that. The transformation, all are going to die, but you do not have to die too soon, prematurely, unnecessarily, for someone or something else, except that God would move you to do that, and then only do that should he move you through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit. But you can't fight against them lest you will then, in some ways, create even more of a problem. Because when you see them beat people up, when you see them kill people, nobody's going to follow those folks. I'm not saying be a martyr and nowhere in the book, the Bible, doesn't suggest that we resort to martyrdom. But it does suggest that even as Christ sacrificing your body for the sake of the calling of Jesus Christ and what would that be to life and pointing out life eternal, should it require your life, it is a better thing to do that than to put up resistance and end up in a conflict with people who then would say, well, look at you, you hypocrite. You're doing the same thing I am. So why in the world would you take the moral high road and try to tell me anything about sacrifice, turning the other cheek, no greater love hath any man or woman than to lay down their life for another? You can't preach that sermon because there's blood on your hands. They want you to do that. One, they will win that battle because they're more ruthless than you. And secondly, they want to discount your testimony. They want to take that testimony of Christ away from you. Now, am I saying go submit yourself to people who are going to abuse you and take advantage of you and harm you? No, I don't want to say that. I'm just saying allow the Holy Spirit give you guidance, direction, so that you will know what your place and what your appointment would be in life for the time that you're in. I'll leave that entirely up to God. Would he ask you to lay down your life for another? If God asks it, then I'm just going to suggest that you do it. The disciples, as they were preaching the word, as they were testifying of the word, was facing this very dilemma. It was going to cost them their life and did indeed cost some, maybe the majority of the disciples and all those that believe in Christ from, this, from that point to this point today, some dimension of that persecution. But Jesus told us it would. But is it worth then bowing a knee, conceding, conforming, to the lie, which is different than, again, not putting up the resistance that would then expose you to more selfish motives of simply eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If it was going to be reciprocity, if it was going to show itself in material dimension as the Old Testament, and it's righteous, the Old Testament is righteous, it's righteousness. But to do that, you have to do that out of the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? What we're speaking to in distinction. The Sadducees did not want to preach resurrection or have resurrection preached because the gig is up. 
If you do that, there is no telling how quickly all of that could be turned around. Everybody could be fed. Nobody would have to worry about dying unnecessarily, prematurely, at the hands certainly of someone else. No one would have to worry about being killed or crucified. It's with Jesus. We could all live in safety. And maybe that was God's original intention. I can't speak to that, if only because by this point, it's so messed up and corrupted. Jesus is going to have to come again to reset all of that. And I think, really, in the end, our humanity is going to have to really <laughs> be eradicated, removed totally, or we're not going to be able to do that. Because we keep track, we keep score, we want the power, we want the control, and maybe there's some righteousness in that. Who wants to be killed by somebody else? But there's not the kind of righteousness that allows the order that God, seemingly so, would have wanted us to live by to come to pass until we're able to do that in that fashion or in that manner. And we're not going to do that except with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to do that except it be in Jesus. And we're going to be facing the same things that the disciples were facing. And with that, the idea that this was a life or death situation. This is one of those circumstances that was going to cost them their life. Now, is that foolish that they would lay down their life in that way? I don't think so. But we'll continue with chapter 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem... And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And of course, what is this? It was the healing of the lame man and his testimony, which is really not raising somebody from the dead, though the power would still be there to do that. This was a lesser order, but it captured the very same, and that is all of this good talk, if somebody actually <laughs> manifested, what are they going to do about it? We can't have this happen. It's going to show our infirmity or our weakness or our inability to do the same and thus that we are wrong in our interpretations and that we're lying to everybody. We say, but we don't do. The hypocrisy. Then Peter, get this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made well, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, or ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you well. This is the stone, as with 
<laughs> builder, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the cornerstone or head of the corner. And you builders, they were supposed to be laying the right foundation. They were supposed to be leading with example, not only word. They were supposed to put themselves in the same position that they wanted to put everyone else in, but were unwilling to do it because they didn't believe in it. Why should we do all this? There's no resurrection if you're a Sadducee. Or even if you were a Pharisee. Well, is there really? I don't know. It's not happened yet. Should we really do this? And nobody wanted that to get out. At least not those people who were in power. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And neither is there salvation in any other. It's certainly not in your gospel, as Peter might be saying to them. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, we know that as Christians. We've heard that preached from the pulpits. We've heard that on the podcasts that we listen to. We've heard that as with those formerly radio broadcasts and tele-evangelistic sort of pursuits uh, for generations. It's been told word of mouth, word of God written. We know this, but we've drank the Kool-Aid, as they say. We've bitten of the forbidden fruit. We're taking, as with the devil's inclination to persuade us, the word of God, and we're corrupting it. We're not applying it in the kind of dimension of belief that's necessary for us to take even the risk <laughs> that it is true that if you sacrifice what you have, you won't be without because there really isn't a deficit except you would then not be willing to play by the rules. And what, again, are the rules? If only science. You can't have until you give something up. Or if you should be able to hoard a bit, it won't last forever because in the end you're still going to die. And should you live by the Old Testament rules, you might have a little bit better chance at reciprocity but it won't succeed because even in that, there's not a clear enough example of what that looks like until Jesus comes. We're all hypocrites if we can't live by the true testimony of Jesus Christ. And what is that testimony? The resurrection power enough to at least live your life in a mode where you're not counting the cost all the time and coming to the conclusion, I can't afford this. Why would I want to take a chance on this? Why would I want to give? Because you don't. You may be alive, but you will not be alive in the Holy Spirit. And whatever that means in terms of life, and for us as believers, Christians, it means not only a lot in terms of once we pass on, 
and the eternal dimension of life, but it's the freedom to live your life without fear. It's the freedom to live your life without being controlled by fear, which is really all that this comes back to. They were trying to get people to do the right thing out of fear. Fear does not produce good fruit. It's just going to create more of the bad fruit. And what is the bad fruit? Lying, cheating, stealing because you can't confess that you're still afraid. Now, it's not that Christians can't be afraid, but in Christ Jesus, that's the promise that overcomes the fear. That allows us in faith to believe. Faith is courage, not being afraid. Of course, my business, getting back to the counseling. Why would I tell somebody that they could be better and how to be better if I didn't live it? <laughs> how could I tell somebody that if I, all I demonstrated was hypocrisy? How could I tell somebody that and preach that, that they could get better if I didn't believe it? I could do it with words but there would be no outcome and it would be hollow or shallow. It'd be like a God of my own creation, even if I made it look like what I thought Jesus looked like, it would only be human. I don't want to be human. What I want to offer, specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, is not just the word, although the word is anointed. But it stirs the gift up in you, and it has a power if I do that with integrity that is not there if I do it as a hypocrite. And certainly there isn't going to be the element of judgment, condemnation, shame, <laughs> hiding my face, because God might strike me dead. <laughs> it's like looking in the mirror like a glass darkly, what happens when you look upon the face of God? Moses had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock to see the glory of the Lord. I don't want that. I want to be there and I want to see that in that dimension. But I also want to, if I should still be in humanity, which I am, and I still am a bit fearful, I don't want, though, in the name of Jesus to mean anything but in the name of Jesus. <laughs> It's a power to overcome. And if I'm going to practice what I preach with integrity, I think God gives me some allowance for my humanity. But if I don't believe, then my infirmity is not going to be healed. My impotence, my lameness, I'll be nothing better than Sadducees and Pharisees. Or... If I cut any slack to the Pharisees, oh, I think it'll work. You should No, that's what you come see somebody for. Yes, it works in the name of Jesus. And I want to be a living testimony of that. But I also want you to be a living testimony of that. The disciples were a living testimony of that. Not only had they seen Jesus, they had been on the day of Pentecost delivered unto them the same power as would come from within them, as would then be stirred up, as with word now, living word, as with Christ now within them to do the same thing and even greater.
Otherwise, we're just a bunch of hypocrites. And what good is that? Why would you want to go and follow somebody who you know is just telling you a bunch of stuff to manipulate you so they don't have to do it? Or if they should concede, it's going to happen to us all. Better you first. (laughs) No women and children first. Better you first than me. That's false teaching. That's false prophecy. That's Antichrist. And that's going to be the demise of any culture any country, any people, any religion, any political persuasion that resorts to that. But I want to remind you, that's what we're seeing. Let's not be that way. Please. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to pretend like I'm something I'm not and then do that out of something that really is only... A figment or some sort of fantasy, figment of my own imagination, or appealing to some sort of part of you that would almost drink the Kool-Aid because you've given up. You can't give up. Because if you give up on Christ, (laughs) you're really in trouble. I'm not saying believe on me. I'm just saying if I bear witness of Christ and the Holy Spirit bears witness in you that it's not even Dave Clay that's speaking to you, but Jesus, then at least heed that. But I'm more than willing to testify that it's not going to work except that it would be God, and then only God has the right to tell you. Otherwise, it's all profiteering. Otherwise, it's all control. Otherwise, it's all about commerce. Otherwise, it's just keeping me in business. Sure, keep coming back. Sure, I'm just going to keep telling you all this, but really, I'm not sure, sure, that I want you better. Uh, Or I don't know that really it is something of you getting to the same station as me, same place as me. It upsets the apple cart. It upsets the religious hierarchy. It upsets the traditions. <laughs> the disciples were about upsetting the traditions, but not for just the sake of payback or stirring things up or vengeance. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. They were about preaching and teaching Jesus because they were about living Jesus. If you want the manifestation of the kingdom of God, you have to have the kingdom of heaven. Jesus alive within you now. And unfortunately, as I said earlier in the podcast, and sometimes it doesn't make a difference in terms of what people do to you, but you will be different and you will know resurrection power. I'd like to make it all right for you. I'd like to tell you what to do to feel validated. I can't 
The Holy Spirit can. The Word of God can. But that's why the podcasts are all about the Word of God. Why it's all a presentation of His Word. It's not psychology. I don't want to give you psychology. Psychology helps me and my training helps me in psychology and psychological counseling. Helps me to understand the human vessel. I may occasionally resort to those kind of concepts like I did today. I'll go to the empiricism, the research-based, evidence-based sort of research that's out there. I don't want to lie to you on that front. But they're one and the same. And if there isn't one and the same, don't bite of the fruit. It's all of the devil. And whose kingdom are we building? It's God's. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not a certain people's. It's not this one's right and that one's wrong. It's God. It's Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ. But if you could operate out of that and I could somehow help you to understand that by presenting the word, why would I not lead with that? And if I have to backfill with some psychologies, as we call it, just to get your attention or establish some credibility, okay, I'll do that. But Jesus is a sole purveyor of life, and he alone, as Peter declared, possesses the word of life. And if it weren't for him, where else would we go? <laughs> Sadducees, Pharisees, political persuasions, religious persuasions, all material <laughs> left to human. There's no, you can, you can build idols, but you can't make them alive. <laughs> Only God can bring life. And he's not going to make an idol alive. He's already established the one true Savior, and that's Jesus. I want to thank you for joining me on what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. Should you want to reach us, call 304-528-9220. Covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. Visit us Online or on the web at covenantsonline.com. We're on Facebook and YouTube at Covenants. But we drop the podcast, at least try to, every week, unless I'm gone for a week, which was what happened last time. But this past week. But we're back. And we would want to invite you to come back for our next edition in about a week of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with yours truly, Dr. Michael David Clay. Until then, God bless.